This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order. Order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. All right, Raider Nation, welcome to Silver and Black today, the post-game edition live here, wherever you're watching us or listening to us, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, or if you're listening to us on our Odyssey original podcast feed, we thank you guys for being back with us uh, as the Raiders. Yes, the Raiders uh, win. I know, I know everybody's trying to come to grips with their 22 to 16 win in exciting fashion overtime. Derek Carr to Devontae Adams. We're going to talk all about that as well as get the voice of the fan with my good friend Murph from Raiders Fan Radio. Just a reminder, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to us or watching us. Hit the subscribe button. Do the auto download for the audio. Please do that even if you just watch us on video. We'd appreciate you doing that. Uh, And, of course, on Facebook, you can like us there. On YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe and then the notifications bell so we can get to you. But let's get right into this. And as always here on the show, we bring in the voice of the fan, my good friend uh, Murph from Raiders Fan Radio. And Murph, when we, you and I connected here right before we went live, uh, you were talking about the fact that, hey, three times a year you get to be happy. But no, really, the Raiders come out in dramatic fashion. It was an up and down game between, to me, two offensive play callers that really need to go back to school But nonetheless, the Raiders come up with magic at the end of the game, the Carlson field goal to tie it before the end of regulation. Then the big connection, really the biggest and only connection for the Raiders on offense right now, which is your T-shirt. Yes, uh, exactly. Devontae Adams, 35-yard touchdown pass in overtime on their first possession from Derek Carr to win this game 22-16. So, Tell us about your feelings. Second half, I was getting nervous midway through. The offense could not move the ball. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's a Raider game, so it's like you're, it's a nail biter <laughs> no matter what, right? And it's like you could just you're just waiting for the wheels to fall off. If the wheels ever even make it on the bus to begin with. But uh, tonight, I thought the Raiders made a little bit of a statement for as much of a statement as we're capable of. This is the first of ten in a row in which we march to a victory in Super Bowl Fifty Seven. <laughs> Let's go, Scott. 
<laughs> I love that enthusiasm. See, there's a lot in Raider Nation. People all week telling me how bad things were. And I was like, hey, find something positive. Of course, there are people who will always find negative, even in the positive. Because I saw, Murph, I couldn't believe it. You got to be happy when your team wins, right? But no, some people are saying, well, now we're screwing up our draft pick. <laughs> so you, you just can't with some people. I mean, they're just not willing to do it. But I'll tell you what. I mean, Murph, this game... First half, the Raiders come out. It's it's a back-and-forth affair. Derek Carr looks good. Devontae Adams off to the quick start. And then they go silent in the second half, another 0.3rd quarter. So it was hard for people, I think, to stay up and say, you know what, this team can come back. But Derek Carr gets the ball twice, end of regulation, and in overtime, they move the ball. The play calling, we'll get back to the play calling throughout the game, but the play calling at the end of the game overall was much better and worked much uh, w- worked well, I think, for this team to get into position to win the game. Absolutely. So, and and first off, let me address something there. Like, if you're a fan that's not rooting for the Raiders to win, like <laughs> I don't know what you're doing with that. Like, I mean, and I'll never tell you how to fan your fandom, but when you're not rooting for your team to win, that seems like a ridiculous notion to me. I don't care if the Raiders haven't won a game all year long. I don't want them to lose another one. Like, we we got to root for our team. We got to support our guy. But whatever you do, do you do you. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I'm I'm in the bag for this thing, and I want to see positivity. I want to root for. Uh, the the team that is not the team that isn't right now. This is the Raiders we got, and so I want to see those those Raiders win. I think what stalled out in, in terms of like when we see, saw everything go quiet, the penalty started to pile up, right? Like, yes. You know, nothing kills a drive like a penalty. Nothing extends the drive for the Broncos like a penalty. Poor Sam Webb had like like three oh. of the worst plays in a row there. Um, you know, giving up a penalty and then and then of course getting burned and. And uh, it's so anyways, it was that was that was a little that was a little a little rough in there. Um, but yeah, but like you said, you know, Derek Carr pulls it out in the end, really the entirety of the team. I don't want to just put it all on Derek. I think, unfortunately, we a lot of times put too much on Derek. And at, you know what I mean? Like he gets sure. all the blame and all the credit at times. Um, but he, I thought he played great. But then also everybody else did there late. And, you know, we've been dealing with this stat here and, and I don't even know what the exact numbers are now at this point, but I think at, at one point, Derek was either 0 for nine or 0 for 10 on, mm-hmm. um, on the uh, on times where he had the ability to put the ball in the end zone and to, or wherever else to tie up the game or to take the lead. And then now here tonight, he does it right. So like, yep. Hey, that's one we'll take it. Like one is better than none. So let's hopefully that will start a trend, build some confidence in the team. And sorry for my bulldog barking over there in the background. <laughs> that's all right. I'll tell you though, Derek Carr ends the game. Murph 23 of 37, 307 yards, two touchdowns. And now going back, I thought this was an incredibly encouraging sign for cars play because we saw that second half start and you felt like you did the rest of the year when things did not go well. He st- his first half, 12 of 14, 137 yards, the touchdown, of course, to Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, five catches, 94 yards in the first half. Carr comes out in the second half. You get towards the end of the third quarter. He's only seven of 15 for 31 yards. And you're thinking to yourself, whoa, this is terrible. So he rallied. And that was incredibly encouraging for me to see because his play, I know people get touchy about the Derek Carr thing, but listen, his play has not been as well, and we talked about it on this show, has not been as good as it has been in years past, uh, but it seemed like those last two drives, whatever it was, the, the light switch went on, and Derek Carr reverted back to his 2021 form and really seemed to rally that team and come along and do what he needed to do to help them win the game. 
Absolutely. You know, it's nice to see him be resilient. You know, that's one of the things that, you know, you want to see out of a, out of, out of your quarterback or any of any player, but in this, in this case, the most prominent position in all of sports, which is quarterback of an NFL team, uh, you want to see him be resilient. You know, when he misses a pass down the sidelines, you know, overthrow, I think it was Abdullah. Maybe he was, he overthrew yeah. it down there down the sideline path. You see those kinds of things. And it's like, Oh no. Like as a fan, I'm sitting on my couch going like, all right, here we go. You know what I mean? Like, here's where we're just going to see the frustration build and blah, blah, blah. But that's not what happened. And so, again, like, you know, I know it's been nine years and I know it's been a long time and I know that fan is tired and I and I am too, Raider Nation. And I've and I've been, you know, at times a car stand and at times, a uh, what do they call the kids call them? Carbashians, whatever the heck. <laughs> like, I've kind of gone both ways with it. But ultimately at this point, like, I, you kind of see it going in a direction. And then it's like, okay, here we go. But that's not what happened. So, so I'm encouraged by it. Um, you know, I'm proud of this team. I mean, if, you know, all the, uh, and not to go totally off the, off the subject here, Scott, but like yeah. as a collective, you know, we, we, our team has been under the most of criticism and by us too, like, you know, yes. so, and, and I think fairly the way that they have underperformed and, you know, whether it's the accusations of a split locker room, the accusations of a, a revolt against the coach or all the, you know, all the different things that have gone on. Do guys actually want to come back from injury? All the negativity, negativity. Darren Waller was, was asked about it this week, uh, you know, um, uh, post-practice about like that, what fans feel about like his mm-hmm. ability to come back and how, and, you know, and, and, and anyways, it's, it's been such a heavy thing over the Raiders for them to battle back on the road. And I know it's the Broncos. Look, I'm not freaking out over here. I know we didn't just beat the chiefs and arrowhead, but it's still a division <laughs> rival. It's still the goddamn it's, Broncos. We yeah. swept their asses. Like, let's go, man. Like that's yeah. Let's be encouraged by that for what it is. And then that the fact that this team's character was defined last year by their ability to battle back and fight through adversity. And although it's much more minor of circumstances versus mm-hmm. last year, that's what they did tonight. So that's a good thing. Like, let's lock onto that. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, no matter, I know they're, what, 6-0 and now, or five, the last five, or six straight now, uh, over Denver, so three straight years of sweeping them, uh, but still, going on the road in a year where you're 2-7, and seven, going to Denver, it was a loud place, right? It's always a tough place to play. I don't care how good they are, or how bad the Raiders are, or how good the Raiders are, and how bad they are, it's always, they, they do not like one another. I know the fans don't like it either. And the players certainly feel the same way. So you know it's going to be a bloody battle. And so for them to go in and win uh, was significant. But the thing, and, and our good friend Rossi Biddle down in, in Australia brought it up, and I want to bring it up too because it's a great point. Yes, uh, shout out to Rossi. Um, is Derek Carr, I thought, for the first time all season, with the exception of a quarter there, a quarter there, or here or there, um, looked really comfortable. I mean, he didn't even have Colton Miller. Colton Miller was a scratch due to injury before the game, so your best offensive lineman's not even there. And he just looked more comfortable. Not that he was perfect. He had his errant throws. He had his issues just like everybody else does. But that was, to me, the biggest difference in him tonight. He did not look nervous. Thank you. I was just going to say that, Scott, that he seemed like there was a, we saw a calmer version of Derek Carr. There wasn't the anxiousness. There wasn't the anxiousness in the pocket, especially early on in the game. Um, That was one of the things I took a note on early on is that Derek, I feel like it was even in the first series, like the pocket is collapsing around him and and, and at different points during this season, we see him get happy feet. We see him rush a throw. We see those kind of 
He didn't. He just kind of stuck in there. And that's been a big criticism of Derek uh, this season. And so to see that, like that to me, it's like, isn't it funny, like watching a Raider game, like sometimes early on, you almost know how the game's going to go for like how it starts off. Like, <laughs> and, and, and now, they're, now that said, we've had games where we've flown out to 17 to nothing, you know, a lead and then completely blown it. So that's not a, like, a, you know, a, a, whatever, an exact statement, Raider Nation. But there's a vibe, like there's a feel of it, of the yeah. game early on. And it felt like Derek was going to have a strong game from early on. It sure was. And so, I mean, that that to me was the biggest difference in seeing how he played. And this despite, and I know that the announcers on TV brought it up, this despite the fact that he's still not able to, and it seems like it's more on the receiver's side, to find that kind of rhythm with those. As outside of Devontae Adams and the occasional throw to Foster Moreau, which we saw the big one in overtime, which was a beautiful throw, beautiful catch and run, uh, it seems as though without Renfro, without Waller, who both were not playing their best either, but at least those guys seem to always be connected. There still seems to be a disconnect. We we see Mac Hollins, who I've liked Mac Hollins, but he's a walking penalty flag, by the way, again tonight with the penalties. And it just doesn't seem like the timing is on with those guys. And so for Derek to come out and do what he did late in the game and to find the guy he needed to find after they kind of went cold to, to, to one another uh, as, as far as Devontae Adams goes, especially he's, he was with Patrick Sertan. So he's facing the Broncos' best defensive back who blew the call in the last play. But either way, um, they were able to connect. And when it matters most, it doesn't matter how you did in the third quarter. It matters how you do at the end of the fourth quarter and now into overtime. And they did it tonight. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it wasn't interesting. Even Schlereth called it out that, like, at one point, he was like, Derek can't trust anybody else but 17 on this team, you know? And, like, right. and that's really unfortunate because, you know, we, we saw, we saw uh, you know, Moreau with another drop pass. And, of course, he came up with a big one late, as you mentioned. Um, but also Matt Collins, like, there was a little bit, like, I mean, I love Matt Collins. I think Matt Collins is great. But I don't think the way that, unfortunately, we're having to use Matt Collins right now is where Matt Collins would excel. To me, Matt Collins was, like, the next version of Andre Holmes. We think back to like 2016 Derek Carr. Where were all of his touchdown passes going to? They're going to Jared Cook. They're going to Andre mm-hmm. Holmes. They're going to Michael Crabtree. They're going to big wide receivers or big uh, tight end in Cook's case. With, that were the guys that would just bully their way to the football. The guys that would go high point it in the back of the end zone and bully somebody away, box them out basketball style, and take that ball away. That's what kind of my vision was for Mac Hollins, but that's not how they're using him. And I think that he's a little bit of a liability in route running, right? Like we would, we would like to see him maybe instead be more of the, like, you know, not necessarily short yardage, but certainly red zone guy. And especially with the absence of Darren Waller. Yeah, no question. And and that's it. I, I just think I look at this game and I was sitting with my wife watching the game and, and she kind of mentioned the wide receiver. And I said, listen, they just don't have the talent. It's, you know, somebody asked about DJ Turner, Nice young player. Don't get me wrong. Those are guys that are good for role players. But once you get past Adams and then the the Renfro we know from last year, Renfro's been up and down all year. And of course, he's out injured, taking care of himself. But you, you just need more bodies. And this is where I talk to people about the fact that our expectations and we, we talked about this last week, Murph, on the show, uh, our expectations of this team and where they were at were way overblown. And that's not necessarily the team trying to do marketing, which they did a little bit of. Don't get me wrong. But I think we all jumped, including the media, including fans, jumped to the conclusion that they had all this talent because you ha- if you have Waller, you have 2021 uh, Renfro, you have Carr, you you have you, Adams added to that, then you think that's what's going to happen. But in reality, those guys have been on the field 62 snaps the whole season. So, so yeah, I think this team just needs more bodies. I think if it had more bodies, 
it would be much, much healthier, and you would see a better offense. All right, listen, our, our audio offense, hang on. We're going to cut to a break. When we come back, Murph and I will continue. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere, Raider Nation. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here we are back. Silver and black today, the post-game edition. Raiders 22-16 to winners over the Denver Broncos. So you got to love that. The big win on the road. And Mo, uh, excuse me, Murph. I wanted to tell people, Mo, everybody, Mo, Murph, Mo, you know, whatever. The M&M brothers, yeah. So Mo will be back on Wednesday. Mo's been taking care of some health issues. He's been working through it, but uh, needed to take some rest from the show. So he'll be back on Wednesday, or excuse me, Thursday show. So stay tuned for that. Uh, just in time for Thanksgiving. Yes, he's 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 a turkey, so he's coming back on Thanksgiving. Uh, but we have Murph here uh, from Raiders Fan Radio. Make sure you subscribe to uh, Murph's channel as well, Raiders Fan Radio. Uh, him and Swag Jeff Michelle do a great job on the show. You got to catch it every week. It, it's must-watch television for Raider Nation, and we certainly appreciate him being here on the show as the voice of the fan and. Usually the voice of reason. I know you don't always think so, Murph, but you are. You you really come through and people listen to you, which is good because you're a level-headed, diehard fan. Some fans get a little too emotional. You get emotional too, but you channel it to the right thing, and, and I got to love that. Oh, thanks, um, Scott. Yeah, of course. So let's jump in with some things that got better today and maybe some things that got worse. Um, I look at this, and I have to tell you, I was surprised. There were moments, and you talked about Sam Webb, who had a forgettable game. If I'm him... Yeah. I don't even, I mean, I wouldn't even watch the tape. I would just say, hey, coach, you know what? It was not a good day. I'll come back next week. Um, but the defense overall, and we'll get to Max Crosby in a minute because he's on a whole nother level. But the defense overall was much better against this. And I expected that because Denver's offense has been terrible. Okay. But that's okay. It doesn't matter. You need get get right games. And I thought the defense overall, it had its issues, but overall it played well. They kept Denver to those 13 points. And, and I don't care what NFL offense you're facing. That's a big deal, especially with this defense as much as it's been struggling. Overall, Murph, I thought that that was also, I said all along, they just need a positive experience where they make big plays. The end of the first half, Max Crosby forces a fumble. Then they have to go to fourth down. The Broncos have to kick a field goal. And then Max Crosby blocks the field goal. So that set the tone for me for that second half, for that to defense come out. Talk about what you saw with that defense. And, of course, we'll, we'll gloat about Max Crosby in a few seconds. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Max deserves his own segment after this game. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the things I think that jumped out at me most, and it was probably a little bit, I mean, it was a big play, 
um, because Chandler Jones actually was on our television screen. I don't know if you guys caught that, but, um, <laughs> but he creates um, a disruption in, in, the, in the pocket. Uh, Russell has to step up, and here comes Hall, uh, young 37, coming off of like what, the Eagles practice squad or wherever the heck he was coming from comes in there and, and 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 finishes the playoff and gets the sack and uh you know he's filling in for a, a the time injured Deron Harmon and when you see players like that like to me like that's a not only a headiness and a heck of a play by that young man but also like as much as we've been talking crap about Patrick Graham like that was a very good coaching point that like when he saw that his guy was staying home well then go to Russ like mm. and that's what he did and I thought that was an incredibly like telling play and and especially on the heels too, like um, for those of you that watched the Thursday night game and 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 saw what what the Titans did on Thursday night, one yeah. of the things that they talked about a lot in that game was that the Titans have been dealing with a ton of injuries and that they're pulling guys from other teams' practice squad, but yet they're still effective, and that's the result of high quality coaching. And it's like then that was a it was it was a small example. And it was, and it was, I know it's just one play, but that's the first time, at least with my limited uh, brain and fan eyes, that's the first time that I saw defensive coaching influence like a very yeah. positive play for that defense. Like that was a guy that like literally walked in from the sideline, first play, boom, gets a sack. Like that was, that was awesome. So that was great. Um, I've been telling everybody for four years, Cleveland Farrell is a closer. Mm. Kidding, but like, but to see him show up and like and actually like have an impact late in the game and close it out. I mean, poor guy's probably not going to be on the team next year, but but still to see him, uh, you know, play the way that he did late, I thought that was encouraging. But then I think my MVP of the defense tonight is Denzel Perryman. Dude was flying oh. everywhere tonight. Yep. Love seeing fifty-two flash on the screen. Um, you know the way that he darts into the backfield, like talk about explosive, right? Like, and it's so cool to like. You know, yeah, I know Khalil Mack, but like we talked about the last like great linebacker that the Raiders have had was 52, Kirk Morrison. Yep. So it's kind of nice to see a 52 darting in there and making big plays for the Raiders. Yeah, the one the one he hit on the running back, I think it was uh, Gordon uh, when he caught him behind the line of scrimmage. Man, you could hear that over TV. That's how hard that hit was <laughs> uh, yeah. on that microphone on the sideline. But that was that was huge, and and that's what I think you people need. That defense has been under such scorn, deservedly so. Like you said, they have not played well. And in some cases, really not their fault. It's a little bit of the coaching. It's a little bit of lack of talent and injury as well. And so, so to me, to see them come out, and I was like, okay, give your offense a chance. And they haven't passed games, too, in spots. But tonight, I thought it really highlighted the job that they did there. Let's, let's dovetail right into Max Crosby, because Max Crosby, and I wanted to be negative about Chandler Jones, because that's been how I've been feeling about him. But you're right. He played well tonight. And Max Crosby just said, you know what, guys, I'm, I'm just going to take you like some of the great quarterbacks do. We talk about this all the time. Max Crosby says, hey, everybody, get on my shoulders and I'm taking you there. I'm going to take you wherever we need to go. I'm going to fire you up. I'm going to show you how it's done by example. But I'm going to set that example so everyone follows suit. And I'll tell you what, I really believe the his play. And then you're right, Perryman. Those guys were so fired up for that game and played so well that it improved Sam, Sam, Sam Webb, excuse me. Um, everybody else played amazingly better football. Even when they made mistakes, it seemed as though they would just bounce right back from them. There was no heads down. There was no jogging like we saw last week. Yeah. Everybody was hustling around the ball. Yeah, you know, when you got a guy like, well, we're focusing on Max here, but that doesn't exclude Perryman from the conversation because a right. lot of it can be the same. My note that I wrote down here, Scott, before during the game to, to talk about tonight, relentless. 
Like yes. they just don't give on any play. There is no jogging. It's it's. I mean, even the the play where Max gets the freaking, which was it was kind of crap, but still because it was a, like I think even the announcer said it was an effort play. He already started in motion towards Russ before Russ, you know, started sliding, and he kind of slid <laughs> over the top of him, and he didn't really hit him. But we still got the flag. But even it's like that's almost an okay flag. Like effort penalties aren't a bad thing like it's the right. dumb ones right or the ones that we don't want like, yeah unforced you know, unforced errors that kind of stuff exactly but right. so a play like that like anytime that you're hustling and making an effort like we're not going to begrudge you and so to see that guy like literally every play game in game out like that's setting the tone and we talked a lot about leadership i, I know on this show and on our show last week like it's a, leadership has been a huge topic of discussion for the Raiders because we knew we had great leadership and Rich Basaccia and some of the other team leaders last year, like an Alec Ingold that are no longer around. And mm -hmm. so like, who are the team leaders? Who are the guys that are going to step up? Who are the guys that are going to be around for a long time? Who are the guys that are going to, you know, whatever, whatever. Well, Max, you can, you can lead from a lot of different ways. You can lead by being fiery. You can lead by example. You can lead by whatever, whatever effort and example right now. Max is not like a loud guy. Max is not no. a guy to start screaming in the locker room. He's leading by example, leading by effort, every single play. Same thing again with Denzel Perryman. And it's that to me is like, that gives me a, a, a encouragement as a fan because that gives us something to root for. Because some of the worst experiences as a fan, like when you think back to like Raider teams of the past, 2006 in particular, and, and, and others as well, the give up, like where it would yeah. be like, okay, at this point in the season, we're over halfway through, like we're not going to make the playoffs. It's Then the team just starts, you see this lackadaisical effort. You just start to see a whole like dark cloud over, over the team <laughs> on game day. Like, it's just like, it's just like they give up. So why, you know, they don't give a crap. So why should we, that's, it doesn't feel like that. And so like that, take a little bit of solace in that. And Max, I think epitomizes that on the day that he had today. No question. And I think that, that, that is exactly what you need. And this is what I've been saying because we have in the chat, Sean Scott asking, where do we go from here? And this is what I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, as I've been doing the show solo with Mo out uh, for medical is I've said every show I've tried to end the show and say, Hey, listen, you got to find something positive, right? You and I talked about this last week in the post game show. You got to find some. Yes, they're not going to make the playoffs unless they do what Murph says they're going to do, which which if he does, I don't know. I'm going to have to, like, buy him a trip to Mexico or something. I don't know. I'm going to have to do something. Okay. But but but, <laughs> but the thing is, you have to look for, OK, what do you want to see out of this team? What I'd like to see out of this team, if as, as somebody who covers it, is I'd like to see the offense reach some of its potentials that we thought. I'd like to see some of the guys get back on the field after this four game IR. I want to see Darren Waller back. I want to see Hunter Renfro back. I want to see them earn and get what we thought they would uh, out of those three guys. I also want to see the defense get better. No, you're right. There's going to be a lot of roster turnover after this season, Murph. We know when you have a season like this, that's what happens. You, you have a new coach, a new system in. They learn the players they need to keep and the players they'll say goodbye to. But of the guys that are here, you want to see, okay, who steps up, right? Who steps up like the guy who comes in and gets a sack in his first play in the NFL. Like, okay, so this guy makes a play. You see what's happened with Cleveland Furl. Now, he, you're right. He might be gone next year, or he might stick around and they give him a new contract uh, at a level that's more appropriate for what, how he's playing. So everybody's playing for a job. You want to see Derek Carr get better from where he's been. He did that today. So I think there's all of these little things. What is next is keep winning ball games. okay? Keep playing four quarters, which they still haven't done. Tonight, they kind of played three and a half-ish, so they're getting closer. 
So, well, you count overtime, maybe it was almost four. Uh, but but you, you, <laughs> you look at that and you say, hey, well, let's see improvement, right? Because, yes, it's disappointing, but if you can see improvement the rest of the way, then you can say, okay, now I see the handful of core guys who are going to stick around uh, that you can get excited about next year with in addition to whoever they go out and sign and draft. Absolutely. Shout out Meatloaf. Four out of five ain't bad, right, Scott? Um, but you know, like, you know, so like, you know, that was definitely like, you know, I, I'm I'm with you, and and you know, what we could, be, what we, things that we have to build on, like, you know, our special teams tonight. Like, I thought that was a, oh, yeah. an incredible, you know, you know, I, I love Amir, Amir Abdullah returning kicks, and I know that, like, and you called it out early on the season, like, special teams was a challenge for us and returns and the penalties and things. Just kind of started seeing that build up a little bit tonight, right? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, even though Carlson misses the one kick, thanks for the jinx there. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, whoever whoever was on the call on that one, Schlereth. Yeah, we know you stink. You're a donkey. Um, <laughs> like, you, you know, but aside from that, like, Daniel Carlson is lights out. AJ Cole is lights out. And, and Trent Sig is, is, is absolutely lights out. So we know we're good there. But that's not what wins you championships, right? We've had the best special teams in the league plenty of times before. And so it's like, so start to like build the building blocks around it. And I'm with you. We're going to see a lot of players gone. I hate it that we're going to see Josh Jacobs probably gone. Josh Jacobs yeah. is playing lights out. He's to me, he's the, I mean, I, uh, yes, Devonte Adams, but sans that he's the MVP of our offense. You know, I think that he's had such an incredible year. You could say that he's playing for his contract. I don't know, but the re results are amazing. So regardless of whatever his motivation is, or if it's just coming together for him here now at this point in his career, whatever the case may be, um, the guy's playing absolutely lights out. But anyway, so sadly, he's going to depart. And 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 Scott, I couldn't agree more, man. Like we're going to see some turnover, but yeah. I think there are things for us to. There, there is a a good case for there are building blocks here. Now, what do we do with what we have available going forward? Offensive line interior defensive line right like you know deep yes. secondary like a lot of those things we're gonna have to address those things but hey man maybe we'll string together another few more wins here and actually and wouldn't this be the most raider thing ever okay, i'm gonna say this i'm gonna shut up <laughs> the most raider thing ever you go two and seven right now we're three and seven Woo! but then so we're three and seven and then watch us finish the, like no kidding watch us finish nine and seven and we'll <laughs> like, win the last four like, we'll all be like, yeah, here we go. Let's go Raiders draft, baby. And then we're back. You know, like, it's crazy how this stuff works, man. This Raider life is a roller coaster. It, it, it is. And I'll tell you what, I mean, it, what happens with this team, too? I know there were, like I said, there were people who want the team to quote unquote tank without actually saying they're going to tank uh, to get, you know, a top five draft pick, mostly because people believe that they should draft a quarterback. Now, it's interesting because what happens the rest of the way could influence that. It could, even if Derek Carr has a great rest of the year, they might decide to say goodbye. Uh, but I think the chances get slimmer and slimmer the more they win. Because if you're getting closer and you're that close and you drop down the middle of the first round, you're not going to do that, right? Because you have a good uh, top 15 quarterback in Derek Carr, so why would you do it? So it'll be interesting to see how that thing's all. But I, I, you hit it on the head with the building blocks piece. There is building blocks there. Uh, I still think, again, that this team is two, two seasons away from maybe a playoff win or so, and then maybe three seasons in that third season to where they could make a big push. Because I just think you need bodies, to your point about the defense and all that stuff. So it'll be interesting. All right, we're going to come back and chat a little more about this. We'll go over some of the stats and talk about what got better, what didn't here on Silver and Black today. If you're on the audio portion, we're going to take a break. If you're on video, stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. 
What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Do us a favor. If you don't already subscribe to the show, please do so wherever you listen to us. Or if you're watching us, subscribe, hit your notifications bell on YouTube so you know when we have a new video. This is our live post-game show with Murph from Raiders Fan Radio. If you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to his show along with Swag Jeff and Michelle. They put on a great one, just great fan content. You will not be more entertained. Trust me. Uh, I love it. I'm, I usually is spitting out some bourbon uh, as I watch them because I, I like to have adult beverage when I watch Murph and the, and the folks. Hey, so we have one right along with you, Scott. <laughs> there you go. Some really good stuff. So make sure you go over there and do that as well as uh, subscribing to our show. Also, follow him on Twitter at underscore Murph, M-U-R-F. And I am at LV Gully, the show, of course, here at SNB today. All right. So let's look at some of these stats. I'm going to, I'm going to read this off to you. Um, The one thing that concerned me again about this Raiders team, and it was really through second, third quarter was they continue to struggle with third down efficiency. uh, Three of 11, 27%, three of 11 uh, was not good. Uh, Luckily the Broncos were as poor at three of 12 uh, as well. The Raiders get over 400 yards in offense. And a lot of it came in that flurry at the end, which was great. And you talked about the penalties, nine for 98 yards. Although I, and I, I always argue with, with Raider fans because of the penalty stuff, but I will tell you this. There was a, a sequence where Devontae Adams got hit high in the helmet. The ball was thrown behind him, if you remember the incompletion. Mm-hmm. He then fell to the ground, was so angry about it that he started cursing at the referee who threw a penalty on him, a non-sportsmanlike. I don't know how that wasn't called. The guy, he was, the ball wasn't near him. He was an unprotected wide receiver in the middle of the field. The guy takes a headhunting shot at him, and they don't call him. And then, hey, I would have lost my crap, too, if I was Devontae Adams because the guy went for my head. Yeah, 100%. I didn't blame Devontae for that, not one single bit. You know, as Raider fan, we're used to seeing that. You know, like, <laughs> we don't get the calls, and we get yes. the funky yeah. calls against us. Like, that's kind of our thing. But, um you know, the, but as, as you know, the OG Raider fans will tell you, yeah, we used to be that and the villains of the league and win anyways. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but I thought that was unfortunate. That, and I thought Devontae, 100% same thought as you, you know, Devontae comes up dropping F-bombs right in the guy's face. And I think I'm, I'm with him because, I mean, yeah. like you think about and this is what's curious to me. And, and I don't know, this is a broader conversation, I suppose. But like the league is so focused on taking care of you know the receivers and the quarterback and prevention against head injuries and all that like anytime like there's even a whiff of a of, of of helmet to helmet or targeting the head like that immediately should just be a flag like we see that so often so then why is it in a raider game we don't see it like you know what i mean yeah. like that's where yeah. it just like stands out especially when it was so obvious again i'm not somebody who's always looking for calls to be called either way but on that one it happened and, and i and i said out loud i said oh that's that's 15 right there and then, sure enough, oh, there is a flag. Oh, wait a minute. It's against Devontae Adams uh, for calling the guy out. It was a terrible call uh, and and one that, you know, I'm glad he was okay because it was the kind of call where somebody gets hurt. And and that's what it, the whole rule is supposed to be about. And when you don't call it, you're just, it, you're just completely sending 
the wrong signal. Uh, but you look at this this game overall and the offense getting it going at the end. But man, Josh Jacobs, you talked about it earlier. Uh, you know, I, I know everybody's he's talking about how he's run. He's got such great heart, such great effort. Absolutely 100 percent true. He's also in a contract year. So I get it. He's got he's he's putting his best out there. But man, I cannot imagine where this team would be without him tonight. 24 carries, 109 yards, 4.5 average. He had that nice 15 yard run as well. Josh Jacobs on this offense, I think, too, has meant so much in the absence of, of the injured players, in the absence of Waller and Renfro. Uh, that he, you talk about different types of leadership, Murph. It's a quiet leadership by, by Josh Jacobs, like Max Crosby, where they just say, get on my back and I'm going to carry you. And he did it again tonight. Yeah, you know, and I love that how he, it, and I, I mentioned the Titans game earlier, one of the things that's been a hallmark of Derrick Henry is that he gets stronger as the game goes on. You see him get, you know, like the the, the gains get bigger and bigger because he wears out a, 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 a defense. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Josh Jacobs is just a smaller version, uh, <laughs> you, you know, of Derrick Henry. Like he wears down the defense over time. And we saw him tonight or today, whatever, wherever time zone you're at, get better and better and better as the game went on and like, that's like not just the hallmark of a Derrick Henry, but like any great running back, you think of all the greatest running backs of all time. Like that's what they do. They wear those players out. And like the idea that Josh Jacobs, okay, the over under on yardage for him tonight uh, was 77 yards. That's the easiest money you'll ever make. Shout out to <laughs> Ben MGM Sportsbook. Uh, but like, you know, like that, but like, you're right. That relentlessness that he has. And like the, the fact that he was just like, didn't slow down and they kept, and I love the faith. Like, Look, we criticized Josh McDaniels a lot. And I thought that, like, early in the game, the conservative play calls and, like, what they were doing when it was first and 20 and they're just, like, doing some, like, you know, like, uh, like, like drop, not, yeah, like a drop play, like, whatever. Like, all the stuff they're doing, like, behind the line of scrimmage. I'm like, it's first and 20. Like, what are we doing? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> or, like, you know, or, or the, the worst one to me is when it's, like, third and one and we pitch it. Like we used to do that with Marshawn all the time. It'd be a third and one yeah. and we'd pitch it out to him, make him run seven yards to gain one. I'm like, it's Marshawn Lynch. Just freaking run it up in there. He's but a like, truck. Anyway, yeah, He's exactly. You know? So, but anyways, but like, um, you know, didn't they learn anything from watching the freaking Super Bowl? Like just run him. Um, but yeah, so th that to me, I think I thought was, was, you know, encouraging to see Josh to be trusted to, yeah. to carry the team, to tote the rock. You know what I mean? And like, that was, that was awesome, man. And, and I, Again, it's got to go back to it. I hate it that he's probably going to be gone. Like, that sucks. Oh, I know. I know. It's, it's, it's That's the really hard part, I think, for fans is that, you know, it's a business. And so it's, at certain times, you have to make the choice, even walking away from a player who's done so much and played so well for you. But maybe, maybe not. You never know. We'll see what happens. But I will say, you know, we talked about all the great things that happened, and everybody should be very happy with the Raiders' 22-16 win over the Broncos today. But things that still concern me, I mean, obviously this team's got a long way to go, right? They're fighting their, their way out of this hole. They, they took a first step tonight, um, is that play calling. The play calling, particularly on third down, I just talked about how they were 2 of 11 on third down. I can't believe, I think there was three consecutive third downs over 15 yards, or maybe it was 20 yards, where they call uh, a running play. Now, I get it. If you're playing field position, you're deep in your own zone, you're going to do that. But if you're out towards midfield, I don't get it. And there were play calls that were just sniffed out so easily. And I still believe I have not been one of the people who've called for Josh McDaniels to get fired just because I don't think it's realistic. And I think you're going off now 10 games, a 10 game sample. Uh, it's not like he uh, went out and did something inappropriate uh, like emails or whatever you want to call it. But, but the point is, 
I'm not in that boat. But what I am in, I, th- I really believe you saw the Broncos have now made Nathaniel Hackett do two separate things. They now have a new play caller with Kubiak. They brought in another guy to help him with game planning. I think Josh McDaniels, I don't know what the deal is. Now, end of the game, I'll give him credit. They got a lot better in that fourth quarter and in overtime, clearly. How much of that was him? How much of that was Derek Carr? We don't know. But overall, I'm still just flabbergasted. It's the only word I can think of. That, that that this team with that offense in the sequences where they call plays just seems so out of touch. And, and, I, and doesn't it feel like, okay, well, gosh, I don't know how I could frame this. Okay, so <laughs> we, we, knew, look, we knew one of the strengths of the team last year offensively was their ability to create on the fly. So Derek yes. had the ability to call plays, not necessarily call the play, but to, to change the play at the line of scrimmage. We've heard now recently that that's not the case, that he's given one or two plays. He can get a kill, kill, kill when he gets a line of scrimmage, but it's going to be whatever Josh does. We heard about how Josh limits Hunter Renfro, doesn't allow him the ability to improvise, where in a John Gruden offense, it was, hey, Hunter, get to that spot. And however you get to that spot, doesn't matter to us. Just get there at this particular point in time Mm because the ball is going to be there. And so now that Josh McDaniels has effectively handcuffs, I think, on the player. So I think that, like, Maybe that's restricting them in a way, and then it's reflected when these plays are called or what the offense looks like. We see that in the way that it displays. Now, that said, is there a world like what, and I know Raider fan hates to hear this stuff, but when you look at the way that the Patriots were constructed, Mm -hmm. right, they were highly precise in everything that they do. Do your job, right? All that crap. Right. So. Can you get to the point where you can have an expectation that your offense is going to go out and execute mechanically and do their job after 10 games and and an offseason? I don't think so, because look at what the Patriots, you're talking about a freaking what, a 20 year process or whatever the heck that they built into it. So it's not going to just like show up in day one. Now, that said, that doesn't necessarily make me happy as a fan, but I'm trying to understand it because here's what I always say is that like. Just have a plan. Now we may not like your plan, mm-hmm. but have a plan. And because eventually, if, if you know strategically, if you build your plan, if you build your vision, you share it with your constituents, and then they, you know, carry it through. Carry you it can out. find success. And maybe you know, look, we didn't find success here year one like we wanted to, and like actually the Raiders kind of told us or by action that we were going to see. But if that's the case, then fine. So, but I, I think there is a world where it has to play out a little bit, and that's, I mean, look. I, I'm just as impatient as the rest of the Raider fans do. I'm not like trying to tell you like, oh, trust the process, which is the biggest BS crap ever. But like, I think they got a plan and they got to fulfill it. And and if it's this strict, stringent offense that they're going to run, like what else are we going to do? We got to, we got to wait. We got to wait and hopefully it'll work out. Wait till it clicks, wait till they have the talent they want. And that's the other thing too. I think you're hitting on something and, and what popped in my head from a leadership standpoint, Murph, and I know in business too, you encounter this, which is trust. Right. You have to have trust. And to me, what it shows, and I think you saw some of the frustrations with Derek Carr after the last press conference and with some of the other players, you've seen there is still this trust building uh, between coaching and players. And I think some players have bought into it and are still trying it, even if it's not working yet. And for the coaches, I don't think they have the trust in in the talent they have oh. to, to go out and do exactly what they want to do. So they're not giving them the freedom. Now, I don't agree with that. I rather, as a manager, if I'm a manager, I don't care what kind of business you're in, including football coach, I rather give the trust to the player. And if the player does something to tell me that they don't deserve the trust, 
then I would take it away. So, and, and now, I don't know. Maybe we're not in the locker room. We're not in the meetings. Maybe they have done that with some guys, and they have burned them on the trust issue, and so now they're just not giving it to them. I don't know. We'll never know this stuff because it's the inner workings. But to me, that's what I see a little bit. But I saw Derek Carr much more comfortable tonight. I saw maybe some trust building there because you, you don't know what kind of influence he had. Maybe Derek Carr talked Josh McDaniels into a different play when they're talking in the headset or whatever. You don't know what's going on there. And so maybe, just maybe, we saw a little breakthrough at the end of the game. We won't know until the next game when we see how they play. But if I'm an optimist and I'm looking at the glass half full at this point, that's what I would think. Yeah, those are great points, Scott. You know, and, and and speaking of that, you know, if if Derek is lended a voice to have an influence over the offense of this team that he's been the quarterback for for nine years, that's kind of the way that it, it that it should be. Like, I don't think right. he should be demeaned to the point to where he can't like have that ability to change up or at least again have an influence over it. And that was one of my criticisms of Derek is that he's such a company man, which I guess is to be respected to a certain extent. But when you're such a company man and then your your results are always at a deficit, like at some point, don't you have to like speak up and like rebel back against and push back at least a little bit? I mean, we knew that like the early days of John Gruden, that's what he was all about. His West Coast offense was like, here's what it is. And this is all we're going to do. And there were times that Rich Gannon went out there and did something different. And him and, 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 and Gruden would get into it on the sidelines. They'd be both red assed in the face and all that stuff. <laughs> and like, but like, that was the beauty of rich Gannon is yes. that he was like, he saw something. He's like, no, John, I'm, this is what, and he would push back on him and mm-hmm. collectively look what happened. Rich Gannon was the 2002 MVP. And I know that's the year after uh, uh, John was gone. But point being though, is that like they found incredible success in that collaboration. It wasn't a dictatorship. It wasn't just, here's what the play you're going to run and here's how you're going to run it. And that's it. And the end like I, I i'm with you i think that derek should be lended a little bit more of a voice and and because that's when and again and that's that ability to and i go back to the to the earlier point that are their ability to improvise within it and i don't know i think all quarterbacks at some point whether you look at all the greatest players of all time that, that have played the position you know you uh, modern day it's mahomes whether we like it or not um you know you look at a brett Favre, you look at kenny stabler okay let's keep it on on point here and on brand <laughs> they have that ability to create on their own. And if you restrict them and don't allow them that ability, what was the reason for Derek to drop off so hard? Was it injury? I mean, maybe that could have played into it, but he didn't just stop being good. He didn't just stop being what he was last year. And this is not Derek Carr apology hour Raider fans. So take it easy on me here. Okay. I'm not absolving Derek Carr for any of his responsibility in any of the last lack of success. The point <laughs> being though, is that if Josh McDaniels is restricting the offense, not only maybe is he restricting Derek, but other players as well. So anyways, all that said, if they're giving them a voice and the ability to have more of an influence and more ownership over their actions, you're right, Scott, that's what great leadership does because the best leaders build more leaders. They do. That's that's absolutely 100% correct. And not only that, Murph, I don't care what situation you're in, and you probably have it with your show because you're creating content. I don't care if you're creating content, you're, you're pouring concrete and building a foundation of a house and you're working with a crew. There is a good outcome from positively directed friction, okay? When you have friction... Like you were talking about Rich Gannon. That's why that came up in my head. The word friction popped in my head when you said that, because I think that's what you need. And you see it on football teams. Even you talk about the Chiefs, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. They have friction. You can see it on the sidelines sometimes. They've earned the trust with one another where they call each other out to get to a better outcome. And I think that's what you need 
And I don't know if Josh McDaniels is an issue there or if Derek's an issue there or whatever, but I do think across this, this staff and across this roster, that's what they need to get to that trust factor, get to a point where you have the ability to have that good friction because that means you're making each other better. You call each other out on your BS and you do it at, at, in a way that is about getting better, not about tearing down, not about criticizing just to criticize, but instead it's about getting better. And I think all teams have to find that uh, as you go away from it. But, but Murph, you look at this game uh, and, and what we take away from it uh, as we end the near the show or near the end of the show, excuse me. Words reverse there. So, um, hey, we but, win. we're all for Clint a little bit around here, Scott. It's crazy. What's going on here? Uh, but but you look at this week and, and all of the things that we've talked about on the show here on moving forward with this team. And, and what you want is you just want it to continue to get better from here on out. Doesn't mean they'll win all the rest of their games. Okay. It'd be nice if they did. But if they don't, that's fine too. But if they start to put things together and start to string them together a little bit, not only wins, but also just solid play. You saw the defense get better. They they need players. They're not going to be great, but they are getting better. And then you saw the offense kind of pull it together at the end there. Uh, as you look forward uh, to next week now, what what is it that you expect? Is your expectation – I know we brought our expectations way down a couple weeks ago – but when you look at this now, is your expectations like, okay, now you guys, you're starting to play a little better. It seems like you're starting to get it a little bit. You expect them to go out and play better now. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I set you up I for know, that one I'm, nicely. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm Mr. Positivity <laughs> over here, and I'm Mr. Optimist, but I'm also Mr. Realist as well. And I know what it's like for us to go into Seattle and play, and we typically don't do great there. And, uh, you know, Seattle's having a heck of a season in terms of teams playing beyond their whatever their expectations were for the year, right? And so I just think that it's a tall order. And, like, will I will I root for the Raiders? Yes. Will I expect them to win? I, I, I can't expect – until they run off four or five in a row, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't expect them to, to win anything. There's that know? trust. I, I hate that. There you go. I don't trust the Raiders yet. I barely trust them after tonight. It took an overtime win against a three-win team. You know, granted, I know it's on the road. And I know it's Denver, and trust me, Raider Nation, I'm celebrating along with you. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't trust that they're going to do anything uh, major up there in Seattle. It's going to be cold. It's going to be freaking raucous. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be Seattle. And um, so yeah, so we'll we'll see. I mean, um, what, what, here's what I would be encouraged by is that there are no moral victories, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that like, oh, but as long as let's just play them close or whatever. I don't want to see that. What I would, here's what I would love to see. I'd love to see um, quarterback and wide receivers that are in rhythm. I would love to see offensive line that protects Derek Carr. I would love to see a penalty, at least not free game, but I would love to see a major reduction in pre-snap penalties. I would like to see a defense that doesn't break down in coverage. Like I like, cause and ultimately, and, and here's what I've always felt about football and any other sport. If you take care of those things, the scoreboard takes care of itself. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that the scoreboard doesn't matter, Rich Passaccia, because it does matter. <laughs> the final score of the game definitely matters. But point being, though, if you take care of those items like that I just noted, then we're going to be in a competitive football game. So I'm not going to have the expectation of win or lose. I'm going to have the expectation that the Raiders go in there and build on all these things that we've talked about tonight that we're doing well. And let's, let's continue the momentum forward because that's what you want to see because regression only equals bad coaching. And if we see more regression, 
we're in this for we're in for a longer haul than freaking three and seven. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. Well said. So I'm not going to try to improve on it, uh, Murph. Uh, and I, and I think you're absolutely right. And this is, this is where I've been trying to put the, some positivity back into this to say, Hey, look, here's what you need to look for. Here's how you be, re you realistically have some hope each week and each week out uh, until the end of the season when this team starts to turn the page forward and look at what it's going to do with its roster. Murph, before we let you go and and get uh, wrapped up here with the show, want to tell everybody again, not only do you need to go follow Murph on Twitter, at underscore Murph, but also check out uh, Raiders Fan Radio on YouTube. Go subscribe to the channel. Hit the, hit the notifications button there. But also everything you'll see is super chat in there. People are donating money. All the revenue Murph gets from the channel goes to an amazing, amazing Raider family. And I say Raider family charity. And that of course is the one nation foundation. Murph as always tell everybody about that, what you're doing and what's coming up in December in Las Vegas. Oh, thank you, Scott. I appreciate the platform as always. So yeah, whether it's a direct donation uh, via our website, which is one nation foundation.net, whether it's merchandise sales, if you want to buy a DADC shirt yeah. or any of the other merch that we have on our T public site, uh, you can find those at RaidersFanRadio.com slash gear. Uh, and you can also find us at youtube.com slash Raiders Fan Radio, uh, where we do our show every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific and, and 7 Eastern. Uh, we're not going to be live. We're going to do a pre-recorded version of it this week on the, uh, in the Thanksgiving holiday. But um, point being, though, is that, yeah, all the money we raise, 100% of it goes to our foundation. And uh, next month, we are thrilled to be able to present a check to the Blitnikoff Foundation for 10 grand on behalf of our oh, listeners. Uh, all that money that it was raised, none of it comes from us. It 100% comes from you guys. And we are so uh, incredibly thankful uh, to be the vessel for that and to be able to present that check. And all of that money goes that we're presenting to the Blitnikoff Foundation goes out uh, to the Blitnikoff Center of Hope and Tracy's Place of Hope that was built in honor of his daughter, Tracy, that was taken from us way too soon. And um, and what it does is those, those, those places offer counseling and rehabilitative services for young women at risk of domestic violence and substance abuse. So it's an amazing foundation. And so we are just thrilled that we were able to contribute to that and, and, uh, and to what their cause is. So thank you, Raider Nation. We love you very, very much. And thank you, Scott, for giving us the platform as always. Well, and, and just amazing work by you and the team. And of course, all of your, your viewers and listeners uh, I know we share some here on the channel, too. So all of you guys in Raider Nation, it just goes to show Raider Nation is not just about football. You guys put your money where your mouth is. And with the rise, uh, rapid rise in domestic violence coming off the pandemic, too, it got worse. And so the need there and around substance abuse, the same thing. The need there and what the Blitnikoffs are doing uh, is amazing. So what a, what a great charity. And Murph, as always, man, it's fun to mix it up with you and have fun. And I'll uh, look forward to watching your show on Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and then we'll talk We'll talk to you next week. Have a great Thanksgiving, my friend. Hey, thank you very much. And next week, Scott, I'll be down on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi coming Woo. to you live as I go visit my son who's down there in the Navy. Uh, he's a CB in the Navy stationed in Gulfport. We're going to visit him for the Thanksgiving nice. weekend. So uh, hopefully there'll be a big old beach behind me when I join you live. <laughs> Swaying palm trees. That's right. <laughs> That'll be great, Murph. All right, man, I thank you very much. All right, thanks, Scott. All right, for Murph, uh, I am Scott Colbranson. This has been Silver and Black Today, a, a Odyssey original podcast. Of course, this is our live post-game show. Raiders 22 to 16 winners. They move to three and seven on the season, and they go to Seattle next week. So we will be with you over the holiday weekend. We'll also have a full slew of shows this coming week on the podcast feed and on YouTube. So make sure you watch out for us there. Of course, that comes to you on Tuesdays. Mailbag shows dropped on Wednesday morning and the show on Thursday morning. Probably get it out a little bit early 
due to the Thanksgiving Day holiday. So watch out for that one. And then, of course, we'll be back with you live next Sunday after the Raiders take on the Seattle Seahawks. For my usual broadcast partner, Mo Moten, who'll be back on Thursday, I am Scott Cobranson. Guys, thank you so much for everything. We'll talk to you soon, and congratulations. Enjoy your win, Raider Nation. You can worry about all the negative stuff later. Just enjoy the time right now. We'll talk to you next time here on Silver and Black today. Bye-bye now.